You're listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity. Hello and welcome to the 1951st edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk for the 20th of October 2023. The editor of this edition is Mary Grenville, the producer is Peter Rayson, and your readers are Christian Jenner and Adrian Grenville. We should also mention our processing team, who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you. We commence with the headlines. Police plea over Bones mystery. I don't want this to happen again. Come back and talk, Mr Minister. Patrols to protect women. Police plea over Bones mystery. Police investigating the discovery of human remains in a Sudbury River have revealed the victim was bound with almost 30 lacerations to the skull. Suffolk Police's Detective Superintendent Mike Brown appeared on BBC's One Crime Watch Live yesterday morning to appeal for information surrounding the murder probe that was launched late in the summer of 2020. The investigation started after a number of black bin bags containing human bones were found in the River Stour near Meadow Gate and Croft Bridge on August the 27th. Detective Superintendent Brown, the senior investigating officer, said, We have been exploring every avenue to help us identify our victim, which is the key to unlocking this case. At this juncture... More than three years on from discovery and still not knowing who the victim is, we are now disclosing this more detailed information about the remains, with the items that they were found with. Our leading hypothesis is that this individual is very likely to have been the victim of organised crime. The way the body was dismembered and the fact the hands are missing bear the hallmarks of being done very deliberately and by people who knew what they were doing. D.S.I. Brown said, We remain fully committed to solving this complex case. I don't want this to happen again. A hospital trust is offering a second apology to a Suffolk man whose mother died while in its care. The apology comes after an ombudsman report identified further failings in the care of Maureen Mays, 83, who died at the West Suffolk Hospital, Bury St Edmunds, on March 7, 2021. The former snooker hall manageress, who spent most of her life in Sudbury, died from a respiratory tract infection nine days after she was admitted with pneumonia. In November 2021, Dr Jane Sturgis, learning from death's clinical lead at the hospital, carried out an internal review, and the hospital apologised when it was found they had confused Mrs May's antibiotics, overdosed her on diazepam, failed to monitor her weight and failed to complete a mental capacity assessment. But her son, Carl Mays, who was sceptical about the quality of her care from the beginning, 
took the case to the Parliamentary and Health Service Ombudsman, which has now highlighted four more areas where the hospital failed. My mother got through World War Two, but couldn't get through nine days in West Suffolk Hospital, said Mr Mays. Come back and talk, Mr Minister. Growing alarm at energy projects. Dozens of local East Suffolk councils have united to call on the Energy Ministry to substantially engage after they were snubbed from his last visit. Paul Richards, chair of Snape Parish Council, has written to the government calling for Energy Minister Andrew Bowie to make a return visit to Suffolk. He said, Mr Bowie made a fleeting visit in May when the majority of councils were excluded from the opportunity to discuss the cumulative impact of many nationally significant energy projects proposed for area. A total of 37 parish and town councils jointly signed the letter. The councils are particularly concerned about the impact of the planned new Sizewell C power station and national grid infrastructure projects to route power cables from offshore wind farms across the countryside. Mr Bowie visited Suffolk in May when he met representatives of Sizewell C and some of the project's opponents. However, in the letter seen by the EADT, Mr Richards said the majority of town and parish councils had been excluded from the opportunity to meet him during his May visit. He said... We are writing to express our collective disappointments that you have not yet returned to Suffolk since your fleeting visit in May when the majority of town and parish councils were excluded from the opportunity to meet with you about the cumulative impacts of the many nationally significant energy projects proposed for our area. Patrols to protect women extra police presence in town centre as part of national strategy. Extra nighttime police patrols are being targeted at the centre of Newmarket as part of a national strategy to protect women and girls from violence. Inspector Connor Lyon, who is responsible for the town's Safer Neighbourhood team, as well as those in Mildenhall and Brandon, said Suffolk Police had identified the reduction of violence against women and girls in the High Street as a local priority, based on the town's nighttime activity, which was the busiest in the Forest Heath area and also on its overall footfall. But he was keen to stress the extra focus was not due to a spike in reported cases, but rather as a result of national train trends and a policing strategy geared towards women's safety. We are being proactive rather than reactive, he said. There will be extra police patrols on Newmarket High Street throughout certain times of the day as part of targeted pulse patrols. Officers on foot patrol at night will be looking to identify anyone in a vulnerable situation, either through intoxication or perhaps alone, who may need help. Firefighters are honoured for fund-raising efforts. A new market firefighters' commitment to raising funds to provide 24 life-saving defibrillators have been recognised. Watch manager Mark Cowling was presented with Excellence in the Community Safety Award 
at Suffolk Fire and Rescue Services annual award ceremony. He set out to raise money as part of his Eddie's Wish campaign, named in honour of his late father, who provided community defibrillators in volunteer emergency service personnel in connection with a responding scheme backed by the NHS. His campaign received support from the public and local businesses, and to date he's raised more than £20,000 and has been able to provide machines at various locations across Suffolk. Already, his efforts have had huge impacts on people's lives, read his citation. There's an award, too, for Mark's fellow watch manager at Newmarket, Sam Linton, who received the Dennis Deckard sorry, received the Derek Northey Trophy presented each year to the station, watch or individual judged to have made the most deserving contribution to the firefighters' charity. He organised car washes, car draws, ladder climbs and a joint event to raise funds for the charity and for Ukraine, raising 2,000 personally and his team 60,000. More than 1,100 adults and children across Suffolk took part in the Take 10 to Read Challenge, which encourages everyone to read for at least 10 minutes a day. The event was hosted by the National Literacy Trust and took place on October the 10th during World Mental Health Day. The campaign aims to promote the benefits of reading for pleasure, encouraging everyone to give it a try for 10 minutes a day. The National Literacy Trust encourages schools, businesses and communities to stop what they are doing and take the time to read. Something, it can be a book, magazine, recipe or sports report to boost their mood every day. Their latest research revealed that levels of reading enjoyment fell to the lowest level since 2005 with just two in five children and young people aged 8 to 18 saying they enjoyed reading in their free time. Fewer than three in ten of them said they read daily. More than 1,100 students from Suffolk schools tuned into digital storytelling events with authors and illustrators to celebrate words and the way they make us feel. Alongside the three online events, the National Literacy Trust in Suffolk visited three Stowmarket schools to give them books and encourage children to take ten minutes out of their day to read. Sarah Maidment, National Literacy Trust Project Manager in Stowmarket, said, The right words can spark a child's imagination, calm their minds and improve their well-being, and the magic happens when they read about what interests them. We're calling on families to try it for 10 minutes today and see where it takes them. 24-7 Hospital Transfer Service is the first one in the country. An adult ambulance service dedicated to transferring critically ill and injured parents between hospitals in the east of England has become the first in the country to operate round the clock. The East of England Adult Critical Care Service, hosted by Cambridge University Hospital NHS Foundation Trust, will now serve 18 hospitals across the region 24-7. The development 
takes pressure off front-line ambulances and transfers those who need specialist care or treatment elsewhere or because their own intensive care unit is full. The service is one of ten in England, with others in Scotland and Ireland will also repatriate patients to hospitals nearest to their homes. The service, which was launched in December 2021 and celebrated its 1,000th transfer last month, says the development has been made possible thanks to the dedication of staff and NHS England funding. Suffolk's Charlie Haylock has joined thousands of students to receive a degree from his home county's university. Charlie, who taught Rafe Fiennes to speak prop Suffolk for his role in the film The Dig, was awarded an honorary degree to mark his role in keeping the county's dialect alive. The graduation came just days before Charlie celebrated his 77th birthday, and after the event, he confirmed he might be winding down a bit during the months and years ahead. After getting his degree, Charlie and his fellow students, their families and university staff in stitches as he talked to them about the many meanings of the word up. After the event, he said, I'm very honoured, overwhelmed, privileged and have a feeling of being both humble and very proud. Lots of famous people have had this award and because lots of famous people have had this award, I feel very humble that my name is now amongst them. It's lovely to know that what I have done has been recognised. A hedgehog and her hoglets had to be rescued after she'd given birth behind the sofa of an elderly couple's home in Berry St Edmunds. Suffolk Prickles Hedgehog Centre in Stonham welcomed the adorable cohort around three weeks ago after they were alerted by a veterinary practice in the town. The mum had already given birth to five hoglets before they were found. I got a call from Eastgate Vets in Bury, and they said they have a mum who looked like she might still be giving birth, said Paula Baker, a volunteer at the rescue centre. Because it had been warm, they left their front door open. The hedgehog had taken herself in and put herself underneath the sofa bed and given birth. They heard this snuffling noise, and both put the light on and looked and screamed. After phoning the rescue centre, the hedgehogs were soon in the hands and given the early care they needed. A villager has complained of the distress caused to her mother after BT replaced the copper cables in her home with fibre. Vera Cooper lives in Shimpling and, like many older people, has relied on a traditional landline telephone all her life. In February last year, BT carried out works at her home, replacing her copper phone line with fibre. Mrs Cooper's daughter, Sally Mapson, who lives in the same village, does not believe she and her mother were adequately informed about the implications of the upgrade. With fibre, an internet connection is required to make landline calls. Mrs Mapson said that this put her mother at risk in the event of an emergency. She said, everything's digital now, so you have to have a mobile. If there's a power cut, up until now, you've been able to plug a landline into your copper cable, and you've got a landline. The only way now is if you've got a mobile. 
My mum can't work a mobile, and I think this is going to be the case with a lot of pensioners. The changeover has posed other problems for Mrs Cooper, as she was provided with a new phone number by BT. They have been unable to restore her own phone number, which has proved to be confusing for her. In addition, after Mrs Mapson changed her mother's broadband provider to Vodafone, they found Mrs Cooper's BT-provided personal alarm no longer worked. This temporarily left her in a vulnerable position, although she has since got her alarm working again by rejoining BT. BT has announced it intends to phase out its copper network by 2025. This has provoked controversy, with a petition demanding that BT halt the rollout of fibre, or voice over internet protocol, attracting over 100,000 signatures. The owner of an independent bookshop in a Suffolk town has described the opening of a new, larger store as the best day ever. Kate Harris, who has run Harris and Harris Books in Clare for more than 10 years, officially opened at 3A High Street, just doors from her former shop at 7B on Saturday. The new building, the former Hodges Hardware Shop, which underwent more than a year of renovations in preparation for the move, will allow more space for books as well as areas for seating events, including book readings. Miss Harris, who lives just outside of Clare, said of Saturday's opening, It was like a big tidal wave and the shop was absolutely rammed from 10am until 4pm. The opening was absolutely beyond expected. It was jolly. It was vibrant, and lots of books were sold. It was just the best day ever. Miss Harris worked in three chain bookshops and one independent bookshop as a bookseller before launching Harris and Harris Books in 2011. Her shop sells new and old books of all genres for all ages and also offers bespoke personal shopping for gifts as well as next day orders. The girlfriend of a 16-year-old Suffolk schoolboy who was fatally stabbed by her former boyfriend has described arriving at the scene of the attack to find him lying critically injured on the ground. Following the stabbing, which happened near a car park in Haverhill in January, the 15-year-old girl told police she had held Harley Barfield while one of her friends used her coat to try and stem the heavy bleeding. She said Harley had been gasping for breath and had turned blue and she didn't know what to do. She called her mother and after the police and ambulance arrived, she and her mother had gone to get Harley's mother who was at work. She said she had to run to Strasbourg Square in Haverhill after being told by a friend that Harley was being chased by her former boyfriend. She said she had started going out with Harley who she described as being kind and someone who wouldn't hurt anybody two or three months before the stabbing. The girl's mother told police that when she arrived at the scene, her daughter was screaming and had blood on her hands. Before the court is a 16-year-old boy who can't be named because of his age and who has denied murdering Harley in January this year. The court has heard that he has admitted manslaughter and possessing the knife used to kill Harley. The village of Ingham has lost its post office, with the doors of the branch closing for the final time 
on Friday due to unforeseen circumstances. Residents of the village have now been told that they will have to make a 20-minute journey to get to their nearest post office. The news comes after the branch in the street in Ingham, around five miles outside Berris and Edmonds Town Centre, closed its doors on Friday afternoon. Owner, Chrissy Knight, has been running the post office and attached shop for the past four and a half years. She said she was sad to see the store close, but the business was no longer financially viable. She added that since the construction of nearby greenhouses was completed, she's seen a drop-off in customers as fewer tradespeople have been visiting the store. A post on Facebook, published on Thursday afternoon, announcing the closure of the branch, received 46 reactions and has been shared 10 times. A spokesman for the post office said, Ingham Post Office has closed due to unforeseen circumstances. We apologise to customers who will be inconvenienced by this. Customers should use Lake Avenue Post Office in Berry and Edmonds, which is open long hours between Monday to Friday, 9am to 8pm, and is open on Saturday mornings. Lake Avenue is accessible by bus, but we recognise that this will involve a 20-minute bus ride for some local residents. Orphan Kindy nominated for National Award An orphan who travelled over 5,000 miles to live in Suffolk before overcoming illness and a language barrier has been shortlisted for a National Award. Kindy Barr, an 18-year-old student, travelled from Guinea in West Africa to Suffolk when he was younger. After arriving in the UK, he was so malnourished that he had to spend around a year in hospital receiving treatment. He didn't receive an education in his homeland, so he decided to use his recovery time learning English, while also gaining knowledge of British culture and maths, thanks to the support of Suffolk New College, where he studied. In his second year of college, Kindy passed all his exams, became a student representative, had a 100% attendance record, and was involved in a sustainability project, helped other learners settle into the college, used his baking skills as part of a celebratory occasion based around Africa, and worked with individuals to support their learning. As a result, he has been shortlisted for an Association of Colleges Young Student of the Year Award. Kindy said, I'm so happy to be shortlisted for the award. It would be amazing to win. Suffolk New College was the best time in my life. I got a lot of help and support from people. It was perfect for me. Suffolk New College's Deputy Principal, Marianne Flack, put Kindy forward for this award. She said, We are often humbled by life stories we hear of our young, unaccompanied asylum seekers and Kindy's story is no different. A woman who is the first in her family to get a degree at the age of 57 is among more than 170 students celebrating their graduation day. St Edmundsbury Cathedral hosted the annual university studies at the West Suffolk College graduation ceremony on Saturday. A total of 179 students graduated in a range of subjects and courses, 45 with first-class honours 
and 54 gained either an HND or HNC qualification. Among them was Ellie Parker, 21, from Berries and Edmonds, who was a postal worker and now has a first-class degree in business management. It's not just the graduates filled with pride, but also family members. Angela McGarry, 57, was watched by her proud parents, David and Christine Watts, as she picked up her first-class honours in English and history. The Acton resident returned to education after previously attending West Suffolk College at age 16 and went on to teach and other teaching assistants. A new bookshop promising a real magical experience has opened its doors in a Suffolk village with a familiar face at the helm. Byron and the Bard at 72 Water Street in Lavenham is the brainchild of first-time bookshop owner Holly Bellingham, the first woman to sit on the board of Ipswich Town FC, who hopes the store will become a hub for all ages to explore the world of literature. The shop opened its doors on Saturday morning and offers a range of genre, from children's books and graphic novels to mystery, fantasy and autobiographies. Of the venture, Miss Bellingham said, People have said to me it is wonderful, and others have said that I'm completely mad and that nobody reads books anymore, but actually I think they do. I think it is particularly important for young people, especially boys, where it is considered not very cool to get them to realise through things like sports books and graphic novels that reading can be fun and it's not a chore. I want the shop to be full of life and a real magical experience. Micropub opens. The owner of a new brewery and a tap room in a Suffolk town said their first week has been a success, with locals firmly at the heart of their plans going forward. Courtyard Brewery and Tap Room opened their doors in Gainsborough Street in Sudbury on Friday, October the 6th, after plans were first put forward in March. The family-run business was first established in 2018 before opening a tap room in Halstead three years ago. Lee Skinner, area manager for the group, said, It has gone really well. We've met some lovely people so far. It's a beautiful town. We love the marketplace and feel of this place. It's a really nice little town and we thought it is something the town needed. Work has begun at a new multi-million pound ambulance station on the outskirts of Bury St Edmunds, as a chief has reiterated how it will improve the service for patients. The East of England Ambulance Service Trust's new £10 million hub will include a vehicle workshop and dedicated vehicle preparation areas to enable crews to get to patients more quickly. The building, which is due to be completed in the summer of 2024, will also include staff wellbeing facilities, such as a gym. Work to clear the site began earlier this year, and the foundations and ground floor slab for the building are complete. Now the steel frame, walls and roof will be built before the interior finish begins.
Tom Abel, Chief Executive at East, said, It's great to see work underway on this new building, which will mean our colleagues can spend more time every shift helping patients instead of stocking their vehicles at the start of a shift. We will also be able to provide a better environment for our colleagues with improved facilities and well-being areas. Annual sample sale set to boost charity. A Berry St Edmunds-based independent jewellery, accessories and homeware brand is holding a sample sale in aid of a good cause next month. My Doris is opening the doors of its Enterprise Park warehouse in Etna Road on November the 18th from 10am to 3pm with 20% of proceeds going to St Nicholas Hospice Care. Prices for samples range from £1. Although we do not usually include what's on items, we decided to make an exception this week to tell you about a concert to be held on Saturday, November the 11th at the Unitarian Church in Bury St Edmunds. It will be given by the Edmund Octet and will feature songs and music for a wide variety of composers to include Irving Berlin, Queen, Dvorak, to name but a few. The concert starts at 7pm and tickets cost £10, which includes an interval drink. Tickets can be purchased on the door or can be reserved by phoning Ivor, a choir member, on 128-01284-719-236. Proceeds from the concert will be donated to News Talk and we all thank the Octet in advance for their generosity and kindness. The Edmund Octet are talented and highly amusing, so a very pleasant evening is anticipated. Why not come along and enjoy? And now we're going on to letters, and we start with um, an editorial column from the editor of the Very Free Press, Barry Peters. And it's headed, How Celebrity Has Changed the World We Live In. I do like a chuckle. Sometimes, though, that chuckle can easily turn into a grimace. I chuckled this week at Sir Keir Starmer being showered in glitter. I remember that the Labour powerhouse John Prescott was pelted with an egg. For Sir Keir, though, it's glitter. How times change. Maybe glitter is cheaper in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis. And today's Berry Free Press sees a thoroughly readable feature by Barbara Eales on those Suffolk bands who you might just remember, but who didn't quite reach the dizzy heights of fame and fortune. Maybe not through want of trying, but again, times have changed. Just before them in today's paper is that flame-haired rock son of Framlingham, Ed Sheeran. All Ed has to do, seemingly, is to pop into a Stow Upland chippy, and the internet and social media go wild. And that's the world in which we live. It's 24-7. It's all documented somewhere. And we welcome the likes of Mr Sheeran and his cohort of 21st century pop stars into our very palms each and every day, thanks to the power of the internet. Mental health, writes Ellen Smith, NSPCC, local campaign manager for the East of England. Every year, World Mental Health Day arrives in October and serves as a reminder for all of us to prioritise our own emotional health and well-being, and those of our children too. From 2022 to 23, our councillors at 
Child Line delivered almost 200,000 counselling sessions to the under-19s and over 105,000 of these sessions mentioned mental health. In response to this, the NSPCC is calling for the government to commit to funding and delivering mental health support teams across all schools and colleges, as every child deserves to receive the help they need when they need it. But currently, the government's target is to reach 50% of pupils by April 25. The charity feels this lacks the urgency that is needed to stop any long-term impact that can happen to anyone suffering from mental health for a prolonged period. While we pursue this campaign, it's up to parents, carers and our counsellors to be there for any child that needs us. We know that it can be hard to accept that our children are struggling with mental health issues. However, it's crucial that young people feel supported, reassured and not judged by the adults in their lives. Our child line counsellors are here for them too and they can be reached by calling 0800 1111. Our lines are open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and every call is confidential. Our counsellors can also be reached online at www.childline.org.uk and there they can access advice for mental health support too. They're not alone and together we can be there for them. And a letter from Rod Allard of Bury St Edmunds is headlined We Need Action on State of Roads and Pavements. I can't be the only one who suffers from the dreadful strait of the roads and footpaths in our lovely town. After many years of running, I am now restricted to walking and over the years have covered thousands of miles all over and around Bury St Edmunds. So it is with some authority that I write this letter. Our town does indeed need a lot of work carried out. And although I am not sure whether it is Suffolk County Council or West Suffolk Council who are responsible for works on the roads and footpaths, whoever it is, they need to talk to each other and get something done. No good just saying works are planned. It actually needs to happen. Potholes affecting motoring, pavements affecting walking, road signs covered in algae, weeds in the footpaths and overhanging hedges everywhere all add up to a real mess. Even the tourist parts of town need attention. This letter is prompted by a fall this morning, as I became the victim of yet another dodgy payment not far short of the town centre. I was grateful for the first aid box being made available at St John's Church, where I was patched up before returning home. So come on those concerned, let's have some action before a really serious situation arises. Audrey Naylor of Ipswich writes Interpreting Christianity. Traditionalist Michael Cole, writing in the ADT on October the 7th, regrets the shrinking of Christianity as biblical teaching results in a merciful society in his view, and is a reasonable one. But I'm not really sure if that's always the case, or the purpose of God is social or mind control. One only has to look historically at some of the poor examples of church behaviour, not least the USA evangelicals laying hands on Donald Trump's career, homophobia, 
and historical treatment of unmarried mothers in Irish nunneries. I'm not regularly attending church these days because of rigid timing of meetings, repetitiveness, experiences with shallow friendship, the anachronisms of certain doctrines such as tithing and hierarchy. Even a local evangelical vicar once declared, God does not need the church. I agree. Although I've been in some joyful Salvation Army gatherings. I think we need to be careful how we define a Christian. God is cheaper than the Sunday school imposed learning. I recently heard a South London preacher tell children other religions are like a killer anglerfish while attempting to explain false light. That is not to say seeking or reading is wrong, but questioning interpretation is also biblical. I think God will eventually wipe away all tears. As C.S. Lewis said, he'd like to be one of those with tears to wipe away. The way we are all treating the world, both within and outside church, maybe sooner than later, I'm worrying about what interesting quote by Justin Welby about loss of faith not being all bad. I'm going to look up what he meant. In the meantime, let's not take ourselves too seriously or boss each other about. And Myrna Chave writes, I am appealing for used postage stamps, which will help me raise funds which I then donate to the guide dogs for the blind. Recycling used postage stamps is such an easy way to raise money for the charity, and I am always in need of all types of postage stamps, including British, foreign and Christmas stamps. If you are able to help, I would be grateful if you could cut the stamps from their envelopes, leaving a margin of about one centimetre around the stamp, and send them to Guide Dog Stamps, P.O. Box 91, Virginia Water, Surrey, G.U. 25, 9A.R. And that's from Myrna Chave. And the address again is Guide Dog Stamps, P.O. Box 91, Virginia Water, Surrey, GU 25, 9AR. Thank you, workman. It's been a gas. We're all very quick to criticise and complain these days. So I'd like to put in a word of praise for those members of the Cadent Gas who have recently been working in my area. They've been most helpful, polite, considerate and as quiet as possible when drilling. There's no shouting or bad language and they cleared up as much as possible every evening. It's been almost a pleasure. Thank you, Cadent, wrote Patricia Coyle, Windsor Road, Newmarket. And a letter from Jeff Brandon is headlines shame on these politicians and refers to a letter that was printed in the Berry Free Press on October the 6th. I totally agree with Mr Day's letter. This country is supposedly well off, but it is run by idiots who have an appalling record on homelessness and food banks. Over three million children under ten go hungry every week and we do nothing. Shame on you, politicians. Now we have some more general news. Pooches welcomed for special service. St Edmundsbury in Bury St Edmunds welcomed furry friends for a special service over the weekend. The cathedral opened its doors on Sunday to residents and their pets 
as a way to reflect on the impact animals have on people's lives. From 2pm, people were able to take along their well-behaved pets or a photograph if it wasn't possible for a blessing. There was also an opportunity to remember pets that had died. Catherine Rayson, Marketing and Communications Manager at the Cathedral, said, We're always looking at new services and events, and something like the pet service is a good way to welcome new people to the Cathedral. We're dog-friendly, and we have been promoting risk recently. A lot of people didn't realise that we allowed dogs. We wanted to take it a step further by inviting all types of pets to the Cathedral. The Reverend Anita Rooney... Cathedral Curate said, This was a fun service with a heartfelt message. Pets can be incredibly important in our lives. They can offer comfort, companionship, and purpose. About a hundred people attended the service, and all the animals were dogs. It's hoped the service will become an annual event. A Suffolk estate owner's dream of opening up the site for country recreation and community has taken a big leap forward with the opening of a new purpose-built all-year-round cafe. Roots Cafe on the Ruffham Estate near Bury St Edmunds, which opened on October the 18th, is the culmination of many years of planning and careful saving by estate owner George Agnew and includes large indoor and outdoor dining and seating areas. On the same day, the popular and long-running Blackthorpe barn next door, which contains a Christmas shop packed with festive decorations, opened up for its annual winter season. The business complements sales of Christmas trees from the 3,000-acre farming estate's own plantation. Another recent seasonal diversification at Ruffham has been a pick-your-own-pumpkin patch, which started three years ago and has proved a big hit and suggests considerable pent-up demand for leisure activities in the area. Pick-your-own-sunflowers are also packed. It's encouraging for George and his partner of 28 years, A.D. White, who have been working hard on putting the finishing touches to the cafe. The 140-cover business, a big step up, step up from a small seasonal cafe which accompanied the Christmas shop, is manned by trained baristas headed by cafe manager Danielle Williams and supplied by a professional kitchen led by head chef Laura Luila. George is the fourth and final generation of the Agnew family to own the estate, as he and his late brother John, who died ten years ago, have no children. So he is putting it in the hands of a charitable trust, the Ruffham Estate Trust, which he has helped devise and which will support causes close to his heart, such as music and education. After I die, that will run the estate into the future and look after the environment here. We fund the music teaching at Ruffham Primary School, he said as well as a large farming operation managed by Simon Edel, property rentals and the forestry operation all help to support the estate. The diversification began in 1991 with the opening of Blackthorpe Barn for art exhibitions and classical concerts. Now with the cafe opening, it will be possible to stage more summer events, George hopes. Already they have been able to employ more people, with the permanent workforce increasing from 10 to 15. George said he was probably slightly scared but very excited as the launch date approached.
Above all, he is determined the cafe should be welcoming, he said. Roots Cafe is open daily from 8.30am to 4.30pm. A charity which supports retired police dogs has launched an urgent appeal. The Thin Blue Paw Foundation supports former police dogs across the UK by providing financial help for veterinary costs. In September, it recorded its most expensive month with 23 claims totalling more than £45,000. One of the dogs it supports was Zuma, who lives with owner and former handler Tony Russell in Bury St Edmunds. Zuma, an 11-year-old Springer Spaniel, fell ill in July when she became lethargic and struggled to breathe. She was treated for a lung infection, but later vets discovered a glass seed embedded internally was causing the problem. The bill amounted to £9,150. And now we have a feature, and it's headlined The Tank Tragedy, a mystery that claimed two souls. Nearly 120 years ago, a shocking discovery in a quiet corner of countryside dominated the nation's headlines. On the edge of Stretchworth, near Newmarket, stood a water tank capable of storing 20,000 gallons. But for a brief whisper of time, it held the secrets, burdens and last moments of two lost souls. On Thursday, March the 30th, 1904, a police officer climbed a ladder inside the dimly lit waterworks to find, submerged in the depths, the bodies of two young men. They were bound together with ropes. The pair were Lewis Wallace, 22, and John Burt Norton, 19. An inquest found the pair had committed suicide while temporarily insane. It ruled the men to be of very weak intellect. Back then, the law and public opinion pulled no punches on those who took their own lives. In a further twist, the inquest jury decided that each must be regarded as legally guilty of the murder of each other. It was dubbed the Tank Tragedy, an act laced with mystery, with no apparent motive, that rippled across the country and attracted significant press attention. On Saturday, April the 9th, the Newmarket Journal reported that two of the enterprising halfpenny dailies, which devote special attention to sensational occurrences, sent representatives down from London to make investigations. But these gentlemen were able to find but little scope for the exercise of their talents. Since then, much has changed. The way we, the press and society, cover and approach suicide is more compassionate than a century ago. Using press reports from the time, we have re-examined the case to show, with a 21st century lens, who these men were and how they were portrayed in the wake of their deaths. According to the Newmarket Journal, Lewis was employed by Newmarket Rural District Council as an engine driver at the waterworks. John was a letter carrier at the Stetchworth Post Office. The young men, who were close friends, lodged in the same house and spent much of their time together. The Norwich Mercury reported that both were given excellent characters and neither was in trouble of any kind. 
The jury ruled that both were naturally of weak in intellect and shared an opinion, which was supposedly generally held in Stetchworth, that possibly monotonous lives and want of sufficient occupation may have induced in the young fellows a morbid state of mind which resulted in the tragedy. But was there more to it? The journal report alludes to a deep connection, and they were literally bound together in death. Were the pair struggling to be their true selves in less accepting times, or was it something else entirely? Could they see no escape from what could have been a mundane rural life? We will never know, but they are valid questions in a different age. Suspected Drug Dealers Arrested Two suspected drug dealers have been arrested on a Berison Edmonds estate. Five police vehicles were spotted in Derwent Road on the Mildenhall Road estate in the town at about 9.15 on Wednesday. A police spokesman said officers arrested two men on suspicion of possession with intent to supply drugs in the Derwent Road area. Lorry driver takes four to hospital. A Royal Mail lorry driver took four people to hospital after a car crash in the early hours of Saturday. Police were alerted to a single vehicle collision after the car veered off the 1088 in Euston at 3.40am. A police spokesman said a Royal Mail lorry driver witnessed the crash and offered to take the four people inside the car to hospital. About 40 firefighters battled a large blaze at a property in Bury St Edmunds. Suffolk Fire and Rescue Service was alerted at 3.15pm to a roof fire at a home in Beach Rise off Southgate Street. Police cordoned off Beach Rise while the Environment Agency and UK Power Networks were also called. The roof of the property collapsed. Fire crews were from Cambridge, Long Melford, Haverhill, Wickenbrook, Bury St Edmunds, Ixworth, Mildenhall and Newmarket. A fire service spokeswoman said the initial officer requested six fire engines, equating to 30 firefighters. In addition, they also sent officers and support functions, which resulted in 40 firefighters in total. Station manager Mark Cragg said the property was heavily involved in fire and there were no injuries. He said, I would just praise the efforts of the early fire crews with their hard work and limiting the fire damage as much as possible. An investigation identified an electrical fault as the most likely cause of the blaze. The Environment Agency provided advice over the phone to ensure any runoff water was being contained. A ride in a Rolls Royce, a pink three-tiered cake, and a big family gathering was how 100-year-old Lottie Lomax celebrated her milestone birthday over the weekend. Her family flew in from Germany, Canada and other parts of the world to mark the special occasion and meet and greet was organised at the Bull Inn in Woolpit on Saturday. Then on Sunday, her birthday family gathered at the village hall for gifts and cake and Lottie was able to show off two crowns which she received for the day, and she even got to ride in a Rolls-Royce which took her to the venue. Daughter, Janet Hoffer, who helped me organise the day, said, She felt like a queen. We put a crown on her head, 
and she waved to people as we went by, and she did a tour of Woolpit before he dropped her off. She's loving every minute of it. She enjoys having all the family around her, and she's so happy they all made it. In the afternoon, Lottie opened up her home for an open house so that the whole village could celebrate along with her. A Brandon man whose mission has been to spread positivity is turning his attentions to raising funds to help at-risk hedgehogs. David Doughty moved to the town as the pandemic hit and then faced cancer diagnosis, loneliness, isolation, radiotherapy and surgery. He said, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like I'd been pushed to the ground. I'd never felt so low. So when I was going through radiotherapy, I thought, how can I make this in some way cheerful? And I would wear fancy dress, such as Elvis or Batman, on Fridays when I went to the hospital to give myself and other patients a lift. In another effort to lift himself out of the dark time, he started posting videos on Facebook sharing the quirky and positive side of his experiences in hospital. When I had three operations in a London hospital, I was far from home and wasn't allowed visitors for the three weeks I was there. I would report on Facebook my situation and some of the humour happening in the hospital, said David. The Facebook community became my partner in life and people were contacting me to say how much my videos helped them. I realised the power of positive thinking and realised I had to carry on after leaving hospital. Ever since, David has posted daily videos to his Facebook profile, David Happy Dave Doughty, to spread a smile and also share his love of wildlife and conservation. I wanted it to be a little respite from some of the bad news we hear, and it helps me to keep positive, he said. Now, having fundraised for a national conservation charity and written a book about the adventures of the Robohog he built as a fundraising tool, David is launching his own registered charity to help one of the UK's at-risk species. SOS Hedgehogs aims to raise funds for local hedgehog rescue centres across the UK and to raise awareness of how people can help them in their own gardens and local area. David's new goal is to raise funds for SOS Hedgehogs through writing more Robohog books, performing his Elvis and Rat Pack shows and general fundraising. Pizza chain reveals opening date for new town branch. A pizza chain has announced the opening date for its latest Suffolk branch. Domino's will welcome customers at the new store in High Street, Brandon, on Monday, October the 30th. The branch is celebrating with a ribbon cutting at 11am. Ricky Candola, Operations Director at SK Group, said they were passionate about enhancing the community with employment opportunities where people could grow and develop their careers. Shoppers could see inside what become, will become Primark in Bury St Edmunds this week. Previously covered windows at the former Debenhams in the Ark shopping centre were uncovered for the first time in months, revealing the bare interior and new escalators ahead of Primark moving in. Last month, Primark started recruiting for the role of store manager but said there was no news to share about the shop's opening date. Children bake sales raised over £700 for hedgehogs. The Moss family from Great Barton 
raised £771 through a series of summer bake sales, and they're donating all of it to the Suffolk Hedgehog Hospital. In total, four sales were held, allowing Isa, Maisie and Abel Moss to showcase their baking skills. Alongside baking and selling their own cakes, the Mosses ran a competition challenging loved ones to sign their own hedgehogs. Well done to the Moss family. A bakery based in Nowton near Bury St Edmunds has won a prestigious award at the Food Awards England 2023. The Friendly Loaf Bakery was named Artisan Bakery of the Year at the award show, which took place in, St. in, excuse me, took place in Birmingham. The business was launched in 2010, and owner Mark Proctor was pleased to win the accolade. He said, we are elated with the news, and it just goes to show what can happen if you just concentrate on good quality food. We use the highest quality ingredients we can source, and this is something we do not compromise on. We use real butter and slow-proved breads. We take what we do very seriously, and we've been able to grow so much by just making really good loaves of bread. We have been inundated with messages, and we're really grateful for all our customers. We are coming to the end of this edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk. If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you have been given. Alternatively, you can put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Berry Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and Newmarket Journal, from whose pages most of our items have been taken. News Talk will be back again next week, so until then, from Peter, Adrian, Christian and Mary, it's goodbye. listening to a podcast brought to you by the St Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our Bury St Edmunds studio. Thank you.